Guess what? I don't know where you thought you were going, but you are in Skeeve land. I'm your host, Alan McDonnell, and today's guest is a triple threat named Jennifer Locke. L-O-C-K-E. Locke. Would you rather talk to, one, a world-ranked jiu-jitsu champion, two, a globally acclaimed artist working in video and physical performance, or three, a professional dominatrix? With Jennifer Locke here in Skeeveland, you can talk to all three at once. Right now, we're recording. Fantastic. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. okay, Jennifer Locke, here's the thing about you. You come into my house, you're wearing a nice little cardigan sweater yeah. with a pencil skirt. With the little, what do they call that kind of collar? Peter you Pan collar. With the Peter Pan collar. I do look pretty cute. I have a date later. Well, it's pretty, it's a nice setup, and you look very, you. like, uh, like a... School teacher? Uh, sort of school teacher-ish. And a little bit as though you could be on Mad Men somewhere, walking oh, down the street on, yeah. on, in, in Manhattan at that time. Yeah, yeah. But you have this secret. You have maybe more than one. But <laughs> one in particular, uh-huh. you are a fucking fearsome fighter. You are a, mm. were a world-class fighter. You won. It's true. What did you win? I won the Pan American Jiu-Jitsu Championships. When, how, so, okay. It was a while ago. It's frightening how long ago it was, actually. Uh, it was 2004, which is... Making me feel a little bit old, Alan. Well, maybe uh, maybe you don't have the same condition that you were in yeah. before. But how, so how did you end up being this, this fighter? Well, I um, so I was working at this. I feel it goes back further. I feel it goes it back to your father. It does go back further. Okay, okay, okay. I feel yes. it goes oh, back to your father. Oh, we talked about this last time with yeah. the, the recording that wound up being bunk. Yeah. Yes. So I had an interest in wrestling. My father was a New England wrestling champion in high, in college, and he was like a high school champion. Mm-hmm. So when I was growing up as a kid, he used to, uh, you know, throw me and my sister around a lot. And so uh, I just had this natural... Like when uh, he was mad, he'd throw you around? <laughs> or like when you, if your grades weren't If my grades enough? were poor, he used to firemen's carry me. No, he, um, he... It was play. It was fun. It was like this very physical, kind of affectionate goofing around that I did with my dad. My dad was a big guy. Like, he he used to lift weights and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he had, like, this huge back and chest and arms. And so, I don't know. It gave me this real, um, I guess I have this over, sort of vaguely delusional sense of my physical power because it's not, like, I always thought I could beat my dad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, as a nine-year-old girl. Even younger, like, probably six. I'm like, yeah. Like, I felt like I was maybe just as strong as him, Mm -hmm. which is actually what made me a good competitor. But, yeah, so I I grew up with this, um, you know, this kind of very physical play-fighting relationship with my dad. And then uh, later, you know, back then, because I grew up in the, I was like a teenager in the 80s, and so girls weren't really wrestling. There's no girl wrestling teams. No girl wrestling teams, not that I know of. And so later in the mid-'90s, uh, I was working at a BDSM house, which we'll get to later, but this woman, I met this woman and she invited me to this group and we were just kind of horsing around doing submission wrestling without any real training. Mm-hmm. And I was just really good at it right away. I just had a real natural affinity for it. And So were you horsing around, so you were horsing around with, with uh, client? With no, man, just a, it was just a fun group thing, mm-hmm. kind of just a group of people that would get together. And actually there was this guy there who um, kind of organized the group and Oh, this is more complicated, but he kind of always talked about it as being kind of a kink thing, although it was never, didn't ever feel even vaguely erotic on any level. It was just mm-hmm. really fun. And he used to pay you, if you were really good, to come to the group, the women. Okay. He would pay the women to come to the group. So in some sense, it was it was sort of like... Work-related. Yeah, slightly, yeah. Vocation. 
vacate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then some of the gals in the group start going to to Gracie jiu-jitsu classes, and they started beating me. And how did you like that? I did not like that, Ellen. That didn't go over with I you? I didn't like that. I'm a little bit competitive. You didn't submit to being beaten? I did have to submit, and I did not feel good about being <laughs> in that position. So this school opened just right around the corner from my house, uh, this Health Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, and I started training there. And so that's kind of how I got super seriously into it. So I started competing almost immediately, and I was really good at competition. Like at city level or county level? Uh, or like where were the it's not that um, uh, regulated. No, it's pretty widespread. Well, at that point, it wasn't Backyards? as... <laughs> no, they'd have tournaments. Like they'd rent out, I don't know, an auditorium mm-hmm. in a high school or something. Um, and the biggest tournament you could win in the U.S. Well, I started doing that probably in like 95, 96, something like that. And then in 2004, the big well at that point, the biggest tournament you could win in the U.S. was the Pan Americans. Now they have the World Championships mm-hmm. here as well. But I uh, was the Pan Americans like an invitational or no? Did you have to qualify? No, you, you to... didn't. You could just do it. I mean, it's really it's not regulated at all. So basically, if you pay your money, they don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. So I went and I won, and I won at the highest level you could win because. At that point, there weren't that many. I don't know how many women do it now, but I think there's a lot more. But So I fought. I was a purple belt, and I beat a purple belt, a, bla- a brown belt, and a black belt. So I basically... Swept them. I basically totally dominated, is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, yeah, then, Does you know, a brown belt higher than a purple belt? Yes. So you what you outclassed. You, you I like outclassed jumped your class. Them. I outclassed. I did that. Yeah, I outclassed all those ladies. You what outclassed I yourself. Say? I outclassed myself. Yeah. And then after that, I got promoted to brown belt, <laughs> not even to black belt. So, yeah. Have you ever been a black belt? Or no, you... I haven't. I kind of, I kind of got. You know, I went back to grad school right around that time, mm-hmm. and since I won the Pan Ams, I said, "Fuck it, I'm done competing." It's very, very stressful, and yeah. it kind of yeah. ruined my relationship to grappling a little bit. I think because it wasn't just for fun anymore. It was, it was too much pressure, and I would come in, and my my coach would just kind of always be pressuring me to train more. And, yeah, by this point, I was in my mid-30s, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm a grown woman. That's I don't need some douchebag yeah. yelling at me because I'm not coming in to train enough. And I actually have a life outside of here. So. Yeah, that you need to carry on with. Yeah, so I want to What put... about physically? Is it, is it you get hurt? Is it injuries? Oh, all? yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I have had, like, I had seven stitches over my eye. I broke my rib really badly. It's pretty, if... Well, you can even see it through my clothes. You see how it sticks oh, out yeah. there? Oh, like yeah. Your, yeah. It's like a yeah. Garden of Eden business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was uh, grappling with this big idiot, and um, yeah, I got hurt pretty badly. So that was actually probably the worst injury was breaking my rib. So you went back to school, and then what were you doing mm-hmm. in school? So I went back to grad school because, so, uh, what happened to me? So basically, I went to undergrad in the late 80s early 90s so i graduated in like 91 and i was making a lot of work and i was showing a lot i actually had kind of a what were you you studying oh i was at sorry i was at the san francisco art institute and i was in the um what was then the performance video department i mean i went in as a painting major i actually have a painting degree which is hilarious because i'm a horrible painter (laughs) but um but that was kind of what i was I, I was a drawer. I used to draw a lot when I first came in. So I went through all the different departments. I was just out of high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually grew up here. So I moved up there as soon as I turned 18. And uh, <clears throat> so I was in the painting department, but they, I wound up going through all the different departments and trying all the different stuff. And then I wound up in the performance video department. That's where I really, really found, um, yeah, I kind of fell in love with, with that medium. And now it's called the New Genres Department. But um, so I was there. 
And I graduated, and I was actually having a pretty good little career, but it was really alienating. I mean, career. I don't even know what the fuck that means. I wasn't selling anything. Right. But, like, my work was going to all these museums in Europe. And Were you going with it or no, no. In fact, later, I was doing an internet search. I found out one of my pieces was in the Venice Biennale, mm -hmm. and I never even heard about it. Like, I found it, like, maybe, like, 10, 15 years later online, if you can fucking believe that. You would think you would get an invitation with that. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, that you would have yeah. been in a gondola. You, would, <laughs> you know, you would have this Carried long on a experience litter. around it. Yeah. I know. No, it was because it was a video piece, and the curator just didn't even bother to tell anybody. It was really upsetting, actually. Was that uh, because video was not regarded as a complete art at the time or something? Because um, it, it was so new that it just didn't get the respect or... I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure. just people in the art world? I think it's just laziness is honestly what I think it was. It was part of this video program. I can relate to laziness. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can too. But like, you know, so she took it to the Palais des Beaux-Arts in, uh, is that Brussels? And um, so it went there, but then it went to all these other places that, that she never told us about. Mm -hmm. So I knew about that place. And then... And do they give you, like, an honorarium or anything? Like, well, I got, like, a... Well, cash? this was actually part of the thing that made me feel alienated, is that my piece went there, never heard anything, and, like, six months later, I get this check in the mail from the museum, and I was like, this is really fucking weird. Like, there's no thank you letter, there's no program. I just didn't even... It felt very weird and mm -hmm. kind of upsetting. And I wound up getting the catalog, like, again, off the internet. I wound up getting the catalog... Just because I couldn't believe that my piece would have gone to this, you know, probably the fanciest thing you can be in. Right. And I wouldn't have heard anything about it. But there it was with, all, like, a bunch of my pals who were also in the show. So I told and everybody. did it have a little bit of biography about you? or I think it just described the piece very briefly. It was just, it just felt like I didn't matter or something. Yeah. So anyway, around this time in uh, 94, I wound up answering this ad in the back of the SF Weekly. And I went and interviewed at this, um, just on a whim, I was like, I interviewed at this BDSM place. And the first place I went to was a complete shithole. Like, they had an orange shag rug on mm -hmm. the floor. Crusty? Not, a little bit, yeah, a little tacky. Yeah. Not so classy. Did you feel it, though? Like, did, when you walked on it, did it crunch? <laughs> I tried not to put my feet on it. Yeah. Yeah. But then the second place I went to was this very upscale, beautiful kind of craftsman, not exactly a mansion, but a large house in Oakland. And so I, that's where I started working, and that's where I met the people that got me involved in the wrestling group I was referring to earlier. But anyway, I got so involved in BDSM, and there's all this stuff, you know, a, a lot of the uh, things you're dealing with in a, in a BDSM scene are very similar to the things I was exploring in my artwork in terms of, you know, the body and... Stresses. Looking, yeah, and dur distress and duration and power dynamics and all this stuff. So it was just this natural you know, kind of leap over into this other world. And plus, I was getting paid. Mm -hmm. It was a very direct payoff. So I basically stopped making art what for 10 years. What about appreciation? Did you get a more appreciation, do you feel? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> yes, well put. I got a lot more appreciation. Yeah, very direct feedback. You're, you know, very direct. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I stopped making art for a really long time, like almost 10 years. And and so anyway, so that during that time, I was whipping people and wrestling and then I started wanting to make art again I kind of couldn't do it like I was I was doing all these weird like kind of lame attempts to get back to art making like I was in this band for a while and I don't know if I want to admit this publicly I can't do it but I did something else that's sort of like creative in quotes oh no but sort was of embarrassing no 
Okay, well then... I'll tell you later privately. Right, well, it's not that big a deal. As long as it's not on the internet, it's like you can say you it's didn't, like, it's like you didn't I do it. Pretend I, I, shouldn't yeah, even talk, I shouldn't even have brought it up. You not mention it, it's like it didn't happen. I know. I did a couple things that were sort of embarrassing, but, but the good thing is that I wound up calling my old mentor, teacher, Tony Labatt, and he, incredibly, he actually answered the phone. And I said, hey, I'm thinking about coming back to school. He said, yeah, great, come on back. We'll get you a scholarship. So... Did he? He did, yeah. I got a little scholarship. Yeah, I got the, the what is it called? The fellowship thingy. I've always wanted a fellowship. <laughs> but I don't have anyone to call. Like, mm. I don't know who would call that would even yeah. take my call A. Or do yeah. you have any access to a fellowship? Could you apply for something? I don't think they let, I don't think it's a, a I know. thing where you apply. Yeah, like okay. If you apply, like, it indicates they don't want you. I don't really understand the difference between a fellowship and, like, a, a scholarship or a grant. or Yeah, what's yeah. the difference? I don't know. All I know is there's money there, and it's not coming to me. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. I got one fellowship, and I was nominated for it, which is incredible because I never get shit like that. Mm-hmm. And when I apply for I don't even – I kind of don't even believe in applications, which I know is probably stupid, but – I always put my heart into it, start off thinking like, ah, I'm not going to get this. And then by the time I apply, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get this for sure because I'm so amazing. Yeah, and then I don't happens. get it and I'm heartbroken. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I just stay really heartbroken the whole way. Yeah. I never put the yeah. heart together. Well, it's too hard. Well, it's just going to get cracked again. I mean, you're just going <laughs> to let go where it is. It's defensive to just yeah. leave it apart. And they, they, yeah. they're not going to, it's not going to shatter me. No. It, you know, you get broken, but not Could shattered. Could get a little more ground up. It, no, it's not going to get any more ground up. It's okay. just the way it is. It's just it's, ground. It's pre-ground. And then I'll just either like put it back together somewhere else yeah. on my own or just like. Yeah. But but this rejection oh, from yeah. these fucking people that have applied for their money. Rejection is for the birds. Yeah, fuck it. Who cares? You know, <laughs> uh, uh, Agree. At this age, you, I've uh-huh. already had enough, uh, yeah. Yeah. what do you call it? We're disappointment. Yeah. That it just, I'm not disappointed anymore. Why set yourself up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I pretty much agree with that, yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't apply. I oh, just, you do apply. Oh, I apply. Oh, you do? Oh, I'll do whatever. Oh, you will? Yeah, I'm have, I have a new book coming out. That, that, that's yeah. very much a similar kind of thing. Okay. But I'm just, you know, I'm not going to, like, like no matter what happens, yeah. I'm not going to be disappointed. I see. So yeah, you're, I, just, you're just. I reject. I reject the notion yes. that these fuckers <laughs> can disappoint me in any way yeah. whatsoever. Oh, good. That notion, rejected. 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 Does that work? Yes. Good. Yes, it actually kind of does. That's awesome. Not, I should try not that. Not 100%. Yeah. But. Enough of a percent that it, you could say it's a hundred percent because it, it's right because it's, it's effective. So it, let me ask you this: so so your the application process, you're already like these people are fuckers. Fuck them. Yes. How do you lower yourself? Oh, it's not necessarily to I lower apply. myself because oh. I don't think I'm above these fuckers. Oh, I see. It's just I, I know how it works. I know how people are because I, I am one. I see. So, so I'm just gonna you're throw a it out. Yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna throw it out. I'm gonna do the best I can. Yeah. With whatever it is. Yeah. And then. If they don't, you know. Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just a different type of fucker than I am. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's got it. it they're in just in a different position. Yeah. What about the fact that they have power to say yes or no? You don't care. You just. Well, they have power to say yes or no, of yeah. course. And, and that's somehow weighs on you unless <laughs> you say, fuck, you know, unless yeah. you say, you know, I, I reject the notion. Yeah. That you're correct. Yeah. Okay. You know, you, know, you you are wrong. You? you are wrong in not picking me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You picked good. me. Look, finally you came through. You, you got <laughs> this one. You got one lucky. I mean, I guess you could, you know, close your yeah. eyes one time. You can use every a broken right. clock's right twice a day. Whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Like okay. That. 
Yeah. But if you don't pick me, then of course you're not. Because you're fucking wrong. Because well, you're an I idiot, say? basically. I don't know about an idiot. Okay, so you don't go denigrating. Just a different just, type of okay. fucker. Okay, different type of fucker? Yeah, different type of Fair fucker. Fair enough. And there, I will say, I have talked to people that are on these committees, and there is a lot of weird, there are a lot of weird variables, and sometimes they're looking at so many applications that they're just exhausted. Yeah. And they're just yeah. kind of like closing their eyes and Yeah, I think they zip one. through. They zip through. <clears throat> yeah. And then like the, like I know I've, like when I've looked at resumes before and stuff, <coughs> mm-hmm. like you just go and you, and you go on through the screen and you just go, how many can I get rid of at, at once? Yeah. How many can I get rid of at once? Yeah. And then I'll start looking at these other ones. Yeah. So. Screening. Yeah. You got to, you got to stand out somehow. I don't know how you do somehow, it. Somehow, you know. How do you do it? There are certain ways. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But I don't know what they are. Okay. I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you're a writer, so that really helps with applications, right? Because so? I fucking, yes. Because there's but, so but much writing. Anything I'm at, applying for, it, it would all be writers. That's true. So, so it's the playing kinda, field yeah, level. Yeah, kind of just a wash. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what if you're a shit writer and you're applying for something? Like, I don't think I'm a very good writer. And I kind of don't care. And I hate doing it so much that I think that may come through in my, the language I use. Maybe. So. But you never know, like, that may appeal to them. Like, oh, look, this one stands out. She hates this. She hates this. Yeah, she's the she's only, the only one, one. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, only yeah, one who yeah, hates yeah. this shit. Yeah. yeah that I don't think that's going to work. Okay, let me ask you. But, yeah. Okay. And with your work, okay. Okay. So, now your work, the, um, the artwork. The artwork, yeah. A lot of it seems to be kind of onerous on your physical instrument. <laughs> yes, my instrument, as the Hollywood people call it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, that is true. I tend to not be happy unless I'm suffering terribly in my work, usually. I was, so when I first went back to school, I was doing all these video pieces using guys from my, you know, jiu-jitsu school, so I'd have, like, these guys wrestling in the piece, and I was kind of filming myself, filming them. So mm-hmm. I was in there as sort of like, like an observer, and I was interested in them as being in this position of being a model, mm-hmm. like, but there would be like this enclosed unit of this kind of like closed circuit of these two guys grappling together. Mm-hmm. And then I would be there positioning myself as the uh, arbiter of the representation of this image, mm-hmm. this visual image. That doesn't sound that arduous. Huh? That doesn't sound like it would hurt. No, I know. That's the thing. Uh, so I started off pretty good when I got back into art yeah. making. So, but also I was also in a model position because I was in the piece as a you know right. a visual signifier or whatever. So um, yeah, then I started doing performance again. I didn't think I wanted to do performance anymore. I was just going to do video. And then I got talked. I actually wanted to curate this thing because all these I think performance kind of took a dump for a while. Nobody cared about performance for a long time. And then when I went when I was in grad school, a bunch of these kids were doing these kind of great performance pieces. I, I got really excited because it sort of felt like performance fell out of favor for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I I decided I would um, curate this thing with all these people that I came up with in the late eighties, early nineties. So I I was curating this exhibition and then the Folks at the gallery, is this gallery called, called Queen's Nails in San Francisco. Um, it was next to a nail salon called Queen's Nails, so they just kind of appropriate. I think they called themselves Queen Nails, Queen's Nails Annex, Yeah, actually, is what they were called. Just to differentiate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the guys that were running the space were like, come on, you should do something. So they kind of twisted my arm, and I'm like, okay, fuck it. So I did a piece, and it, <laughs> where I was, like, wearing, um, like, this full latex, uh, full latex suit and I jumped rope for a half an hour in it like which is horrible yeah 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 everything covered uh so I was like oh here we are again I mean I think my work when I was younger was not as physically difficult not at all actually mm. I don't 
A little bit. So did you bit. jump rope for half an hour one time, or did you jump rope for half an hour, take a little break, and then jump some more? No, no, I did it all the way through. I almost practically killed myself yeah. in that. Was but anyway, that's that's a, that's a very that was just one aspect of the piece. But for me, you know, there's always some kind of uh, loaded physical, visceral action happening, and then all this um, other kind of uh, f um, structural things happening around the act of looking. So I'm always thinking of ways to obstruct the viewer's uh, ability to directly see the actual performance. So there's often live video feeds or um, physical barriers mm -hmm. like walls or, or glass or screens or yeah, or whatever. So, so yeah, but, um, but yeah, I would say that, yeah, I just did this piece recently where, you know, I'm getting older <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking the whole time. So I started the piece and there was something I'd sort of, I hadn't done, I was using this material, and it's a, something I'd done in the past, but but it had been almost 10 years since I'd done mm -hmm. this particular type of action and worked with this material. And I was I was there, and I was supposed to stay in a position for about two and a half hours. Yeah. And I was sitting there, and I had a timer in front of me oh, so, that, no. so I could see it, and the audience could see it. And I'm thinking to myself, I'd forgotten that I would get really cold. Did I talk about this last time? No, okay. No. So I would forgotten that this would make me really cold. And a friend of mine actually reminded me, I was talking to her about the piece like a few weeks later, and she was like, oh, were you cold? I was like, was I cold last time? She said, you were freezing your ass off. I was like, I'd completely forgotten. So anyway, I'm sitting there on the floor, and I was literally having like convulsive shivering. And I'm thinking to myself, I am never doing another fucking performance again. <laughs> I am too old for this shit. I'm freezing. I'm probably injuring myself in some way. Probably. Yeah. You couldn't heat the floor? Like, like if you had, okay, let's say, okay. let's say you had thought ahead. Yeah. And realized, look, I could be really uncomfortably cold here. Yeah. And then you say, okay, I'm going to take precautions. I'm going to heat the floor. Yeah, for but instance. that, I would. Would that, would that alter the piece? Okay. Do you know what kind of budget I'm working with here? <laughs> no, let's say you had the budget. Okay, let's say Let's say I possible. have the budget. Let's say it's possible that you could have, that you could have taken mm. into account and, and then yeah. add some warming element. That's a really, really good question. Would you have taken the warming? Well, and also, so here's another thing. is I was laying on a cement floor on my side, mm -hmm. and I was like, can I use a pillow? And the answer was, no, you can't use a pillow. It'll right. ruin the, the, the piece. The committee, you, you brought that up to... Uh, no, 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 I'm not talking... This is me, the committee oh, inside, oh, oh, oh. was saying, like, no, that will, that's not right. It has to be the figure... Well, this is part of it, is I'm kind of interested in architectural space, and particularly like oppressive looking white cube spaces. So there's like a delete. So in this piece I was using, um, this sounds so so silly to me, but this is what the piece was. So I, I don't know if I want to describe the whole thing, but the long and the short of it is that it was like this white basement room. Mm -hmm. So like white cinder block walls mm -hmm. and then a gray cement floor. And so I poured like, I had like 25 gallons of glue. The space was about, I forget, like 15 by 10 or something, 15 by 15, something like that. And so I poured Elmer's glue all over the floor. So the floor was completely white. So it's just mm -hmm. this whited out space. And then I poured glue on myself so that I was, the figure was, I'm very interested in the figure being there, but kind of deleted at the same time. Correct. So, yeah. So I'm laying on the floor and then like over the course of time, like the glue would dry. And you white it out. Oh, I'm white it out. But yeah. then the glue starts to dry and then the glue becomes transparent. So, so the figure starts to reemerge visually, right? 
and so, okay, so I'll just tell you this since I'm going, I'm going into so much detail. So I had a fan, this huge fan. I wanted to get like a fucking enormous fan, but you know, like I said, I'm not working with much of a budget here. So I had a fan blowing out of the room so that when the viewer would come up to the door to look into the room, they'd have this fucking wind blowing in their face. Like I wanted it to be kind of really aggressive wind, like really, really gnarly, like really uncomfortable, like almost your face would be flapping. Yeah. But um, I wound up getting, it was, no, it was kind of a compromise. And then I had a blower piped in through this little hole that was in the back of the space. So I had this, this air blowing on me, and it was a really strong blower. So I had, I'm wet, I'm on a cement Blow. floor, <laughs> laying on my side, my neck is killing me, because I'm trying to hold still, I didn't wind up holding still the whole time, but... And there's this air blowing on me, this horrible wind. And so I was fucking freezing. And at first, I'm like, I can't finish this piece. 15 minutes into it, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to finish. And you, know, you had to go two and a half hours? Well, I didn't have to, but that was my that was piece. Your, that was your set. The piece was supposed to be three hours exactly long. Mm-hmm. So I started by pouring the glue on the floor. There was right. a little bit of a snafu with that because... I would have <clears> stalled. <laughs> I would have worked in some stalls. Working in some stalling. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted the glue to dry enough so that I could peel it off. Yeah. Which, if I, if, really, if I had done the piece exactly how I wanted to do it, I would have waited till all the glue dried completely, which would have taken, like, a week. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not that badass. <laughs> or stupid, as the case may be. I'm pretty stupid, but I'm not that stupid. So, anyway, so, yeah, I was sitting there on the floor, and people said they were worried about me, that they could, wanted to know, they were worried that if they should come in and save me, but, because I was shaking so hard. <laughs> yeah. It was ridiculous. But anyway, you, this is my work. But you cut the two and you made the I did. I did finish. But the whole time I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to quit early. Okay, just one more half hour. Mm-hmm. One more five minutes. You know how it is. One minute I'm not sure time. I do know how it is. I guess well, I Well, I was going to say one day at a time. No, right? no, there's all sorts of things that you endure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I yeah. Can't, like work weeks and stuff like that. Yeah. Work days. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just got to get through this next hour. Yeah, no, there's a lot to identify with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how many people were there? I don't know, because I was on the floor, faced, I was facing away from the audience, mm-hmm. but apparently there was quite a crowd. I saw some documentation, but I haven't seen all the documentation yet. But after these shows, I usually can't look at anything for like at least a month, sometimes like up to three months. I don't look at anything look at, that has to do with the show. Any of the, yeah, any of the um, video, because there's usually video. I usually shoot video, or there's often like a live feed. Right. So um, I usually can't look at it. I can't think about it. I'm like... I just can't. <laughs> so, as a performance mm-hmm. artist, video artist, mm-hmm. I suppose then you make your living in academia. I guess you're <laughs> teaching in colleges around. Right. There. I was teaching in San Francisco, but now I'm doing BDSM full time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was I was teaching at the San Francisco Art Institute, and I love teaching there. The pay is shit. Yeah. I actually turned down a tenure track candidacy there to move here which was maybe stupid but whatever I was ready to go so I'd been up there for 30 years and I was ready for a change so mm-hmm. yeah no, now I'm uh now I'm spanking people full-time Alan and uh <laughs> is it people that you knew in San Francisco or I mean how did you make the, how is that okay yes in the BDSM world yes somehow you were able to make a transition from San Francisco to Los Angeles well it was whereas ho- not yeah a, not with school not with, like Teaching, okay, so yeah, so there's two things. So I thought, well, you know, here's the thing is that I have a relationship with San Francisco. I've been there, you know, practically my whole life, certainly my whole adult life. And I have a very, very long, uh, close relationship with um, with 
person who is main like the person that's been in the new genres department forever. Mm-hmm. So we have a good relationship, and I'm a really fucking good teacher. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. especially for that type of medium. So they know me there. I have a reputation there. People in San Francisco know me. I moved to L.A. L.A. People here when I first got here, some people knew me kinda, but not. It's it's incredible. Like there's a huge. Uh, rift between San Francisco yeah. and LA that I was actually I knew was there but I didn't realize how didn't profound really, it was. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, you knew it in theory. Yeah, yeah, know. it's really like almost like I'm starting over from scratch, yeah. which is kind of demoralizing in your late forties to be like, gee, I guess I'm like, you know, and I'm not a kid anymore, so I don't have the energy to be going out and schmoozing all day yeah. long. So, but anyway, so I figured I'd come here and. And work at one of the dungeons down here and then get teaching later. I haven't gotten any teaching. I've applied for some things. There's been a bunch of other drama since I've moved here that's made my life a little bit uh, scattered and unsettled. So I'm feeling settled now, but it's taken Mm. me almost, uh, like, I got here in February 2016. So it's been a couple, two and a half years or something. So um, anyway. So when you talk about BDS, you spank people. I mean, it's it's more nuanced than that. Isn't oh, it? yeah, for it? sure. Well, and, and I was going to say that when I first came down here, I was like, oh, I'll just work at one of the dungeons here. Well, I do a lot. So the place I worked in San Francisco had a dungeon, but also like domestic play area. And for your listeners who don't know the distinction, like BDSM traditionally is more like whips and chains, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the lady in the leather corset and the boots coming out to whip you with a whip. And so a lot of, there's a lot of those spaces, and then maybe some of them have like a cross-dressing room, which is considered their quote-unquote soft room. Excuse me. But uh, the space I worked at in San Francisco, we also had, we had a soft room, but it was more like geared toward, you know, age play. So, you know, mean teacher and naughty boy or sissy boy gets caught looking through the underwear drawer and the neighbor lady, you know, decides to dress him up and then punish him and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I do a lot of, of that kind of play, too. So I came to L.A., and I was just not getting that much business. And then I'd have these people calling me, because I also do adult babies and domestic punishment. And those people would call me, and I, I just wasn't able to support their session insofar as, uh, well, those people don't want to see, you know, a bunch of leather suspension gear right. hanging. Right. And, they, you know, they want you to be. They want a context. Yeah, they want the context, and the context was just all wrong. So I wound up opening my own space, and actually, because there's nobody in L.A. that even advertises for that, as far as I could tell. Maybe there's a few people here and there, but so I thought, well, screw it. I'll try it. I have nothing to lose. I'm not making any money now, so so that's what I've been doing. I've actually been doing quite well, so I'm very happy to. So is this like the baby play, the um, uh-huh. age play? Uh-huh. Are those pretty well scripted? Are they, like, is there a, a kind of a script that's approved beforehand? Or how yeah. much of it is uh, just from experience that you right. know what works? Yeah. And then how much of it is just uh, like like off the cuff? Right. Well, I don't really do scripts. Like if somebody wants to send me a script, that's fine, and I can. Because some of the some of them some people that come in really um, like particular types of phrases and terminology, and they really like to hear you uh, use those words and things. So so I'll 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 consult their. Basically, I'll say like, well, what are you into? What's the what's the psychological tone of your mm-hmm. session? What sort of female authority figure is she? Nurturing but strict, or is she really fucking mean and kind of twisted? Is she a little molesty? You know, mm-hmm. like all these things, um, all these different variables. And and generally speaking, everybody's an individual, but there are some categories that tend to have you know, certain tendencies, like like there's the, the really strict corporal punishment people that really just want to be spanked and they don't want to, 
They don't. It's not. It's not at all erotic for them. Even they don't want to hear anything along with it. Well, some of them. Yeah, some of them do. They like to hear. They like to hear about. Everybody again. Everybody's different. Like they want to hear the word spank or naughty boy or red and bottom or you know all these different words like right. that are so they like want triggering a descriptor. for them. They want a descriptor of what's happening while it's happening. Yeah. 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 Oh, for God's sake! Is Where are we at the airport? windows are wide open. Ellen's getting up to shut the windows. I'm narrating because we're on the radio. There we go. Oh, well done. Well, done anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, and I do a lot of, like, forced play, like, quote-unquote, again, forced play where, uh, you know, there's a lot of resistance and I'm making them do it because they, you know, they're resisting terribly. No, no, please don't dress me up like a sissy baby girl. <laughs> do you have uh, people who return to you again and again? Oh, like, yeah. Do, mm-hmm. And is there a uh, progression? Like, because like, yeah. you were talking to me about this before mm-hmm. and it almost, some of it almost mm-hmm. sounds like people are working out these childhood traumas mm-hmm. like, like, or a lot of it is based with either a childhood trauma or not necessarily a childhood trauma. Right. I think when a childhood trigger, I think when a childhood experience that is then taken in and mm-hmm. sort of cherished in mm-hmm. some cases mm-hmm. and then reenacted and reenacted and reenacted. So, so that seems to me to be similar to like the therapist function mm-hmm. where they get you to talk and reveal whatever the right. fuck when you were a kid. <laughs> oh, this this <laughs> must be bullshit. it. That must be it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Now I'm, you're going to change. But, but, <laughs> and I, I never saw any change in therapy, but I'm wondering, right. what about in your, in your world? Do you see like yeah. a progression of people like this? Do what um, they, like this, the narrative move along? Well, well, first off, your premise of it being a childhood trauma, I think is, is, is too, um, is not accurate. Right. I think that in some cases that's true, but some people don't even know. They're, they're like, oh, I was looking at this thing and this website and it took me to this other website and I saw this guy in a diaper and I just was like, holy shit, that looks amazing. You know, so people, people get into it from all different, some people have a very, very specific formative thing that happens. Some people, I, I don't remember if I told you this last time, I have somebody who I see who, um, who told me that when he was about eight years old, he found an old discarded shower curtain in the garbage mm-hmm. and he made plastic diaper pants out of them. Like, this is like deep. Yeah. Yeah, ever since he was a kid. Now, did something happen to him? I don't... Before eight or, or, or eight? Yeah, he was like, oh, I don't know. Like no. something, you know that, oh, I see what you're question. saying. Did something happen yeah. to him before eight or at eight? Did he just go, oh, look, I, I've discovered this thing. Yeah, so, or, or like when he, does he have memories of being a baby and kind of being into his plastic? I mean, who knows? And mm-hmm. and it is. It's all these like sen, sen, sensorial, sensorial, no, that's not the right word, um, uh, uh, tactile experiences. Mm-hmm that maybe stay in the, you know, get stuck in your craw, right. and then they just kind of roll around in there. And to me, like, I think, it, I know that some doms consider themselves therapists, and I actually do know a couple doms who have, like, PhDs in psychology, so arguably, but I don't, I make a, I make a very, it's very clear to me that I'm not a therapist. What I do is maybe therapeutic, in that it's cathartic, and it's visiting a, a place of play, and possible you're playing with uh, i don't even know if it's dark i used to say that but now Mm -hmm. some of it's dark yeah some of it is like some of it gets pretty pretty intense i do a lot of humiliation and degradation too Mm -hmm. but it it doesn't come from a place of me not disliking this person in 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 all regards i'm genuinely enjoying myself and i really like the people i'm playing with Mm -hmm. so even when i'm you know saying terrible things to them i'm doing it because 
because I'm trying to help them have the actuate this kind of state that they want to be in. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm making this thing. So in a sense, like we're we're engaging in this creative act together. Right. And I I, I feel really good about my work. It's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. You know. But let's say okay, you you engage in the creative act. Do you yeah. see any? Oh, I I'm see. I'm trying to get back to right. I'm, I'm trying to get back to me being correct. I want to be okay, correct. Okay, no, that's fine. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily have to. I don't have to right. be correct. But I am curious about this. Yes. Do you see like right. how like the engaging in the creative act yeah. changes over time? Because like how so many other creative collaborations, <laughs> right? They you know they change over time. I definitely like have there, there's had growth on both people's yeah. part or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. So I would say that sometimes I don't know because I see them in this highly contextualized situation. And then maybe I don't see him again for six months or something. However, okay, there's one person that I, I saw for a very long time. He lives up north, so I don't, and, he, and actually he, um, he doesn't play anymore because he's in a monogamous uh, play relationship where they don't play mm-hmm. outside the relationship. So, but he has given me an enormous amount of feedback about how I really helped him, like, feel... I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, what does that mean? I helped him feel good about himself or... Um, helped him develop this part of his um, sexuality or his it's not even here's the thing though is it's not even just sexual it really isn't I mean I don't have sex with my clients it is erotic sometimes but it's it's this other thing it's like you know when you're a kid you know you goof around and you make believe and you put on outfits and it's very real and you're having this experience with your pals and you get to do all this all these um engage in all this activity that would otherwise be forbidden because you're playing and pretending i would imagine actors probably experience this but you know as as adults we don't really get to do that that much i mean maybe through writing you have that experience well yeah you always go into something else right with writing it's like you try on a lot of different viewpoints right but has writing changed you as a person you know what i'm saying I'm like not sure if it's changed me or if it just allowed me to continue right but I, I feel like there's a similar thing where you get is, is settling like like uh, it's helped me to settle into myself that's right maybe and, that's a good way of saying it yes maybe that's what your yes your friend is trying to is yes say to you. yeah like, you know, you've helped, well he helped me settle into the way i live right and he this is somebody who had had all these fantasies about playing in this way and he was married for a long time. Sadly, his wife died of cancer. And then a year later, he came to see me. And he, he just felt like he was engaging with this part of himself that he had not been allowed to engage with that was playful, creative, revitalizing. You know, so in that regard, yes. And I do think that for some people, if they have a lot of shame yeah. around their desires, that it is good to just go ahead and get in there and, and do it. Yeah. You know? Now with the internet, there's so many you know groups of people that you can't really feel too much like too much of a weirdo. I don't think. Maybe I don't know. I, I feel like the weirdo kind of like uh, can cling to you no matter how many other it's weirdos true. there are. It's because true. what happens is you can start judging those other weirdos. You, you can condemn. <laughs> they're the much worse than I yeah, am. Yeah, <laughs> or they're even they're, they're just like me, and you condemn uh, them because they're just you know you, yeah. there's a lot of self condemnation. Yeah. Because, and so. Yeah. It's it's. Perhaps on, on the whole, it mm. helps people. More people feel assured going forward, but right. it may also, you know, just re uh, reconfirm. Yeah. Like, like, oh my God, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. my God, and I'm part of it. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I've, I guess I've never had any shame about. I mean, I don't share everything with everybody. Obviously, mm. well, you know, right? You yeah. can't. You can't just walk up to a stranger at a party and start talking about death. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. I seem to be doing it a lot. I lately. know that's why I brought that up. You told me that story. It's the most fuck. I I can't. I can't. I just. I don't know. 
I, yeah. I was with this group of people. You want to go deep too quick. I don't know if it's that or if no. it's just like it's, it's kind of in my mind all the time. Yeah. It's because it's, it's all around. Like yeah. I've reached, I've reached an age everywhere. where it's just, yeah. there it no, is. It's true. There it that's is. True. And it's no longer a theory. I was, I was talking to some people about it and how the, uh -huh. the difference that you have reached a certain age and it's no longer th theoretical. And I couldn't think of the word theoretical. Oh, but uh -huh. so, eh, eh, yeah, and they yeah. thought I was having a little stroke or something. <laughs> and they... But like he's so old, he must be strong. Yeah, yeah. So they <laughs> and, and that the fact that I might be having a stroke made me no longer relevant to them. And so my like what I was saying, I could see that they just erased everything I'd said Whoa. and they kind of walked away from me. Whoa. So I was like, all right, you know, you, you wait wow. 20 years, you'll know what the fuck I'm talking that's about. That's right. You'll wish you, you would have wait, listened and been prepared. Yeah, and they that's did. Right. They did. <laughs> they did not listen. So that's their own problem. Wow. So listen, you were talking about okay, you don't have sex with the people that you no, work with. No, 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 no. Okay. But so so I don't your, take my clothes off, nothing. Yeah. So what what is your relation then to sex workers? Like Um, I uh, my relationship to sex workers. You're, well, you're like your image. Like, yeah. Are you a sex worker or are you not a sex well, worker? Well, I've never thought of myself as a sex worker, honestly, which is probably I mean, I think so I've said this to some other pro doms and they're like, Of course you are. And they think I'm being an asshole. So maybe I'm being an asshole when I say that. But, but it just feels so much not about sex to me. I mean, again, the erotic component is often there. But it's not, it's not even really the focus a lot of the time. You know, it's more playing with psychological stuff and using certain kind of bait to kind of lure somebody through this... Um, uh, what experience, I guess. I can't think of a better word. I was going to say labyrinth, but eh, it doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> that's not the right word. Uh, but I definitely support sex workers. I think people should be able to do what they're doing safely, especially, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say women, but obviously there's, there's all kinds of different folks that do, that mm -hmm. do sex work. So yeah, I think it should be safe and, and not so maligned. Although it's hard work. It's hard. It is really hard work. You do yeah. a lot of... Um, There's a lot of tolerance involved. A lot of tolerance, but I don't even consider it tolerance because, in some ways, because most of it... I mean, really, I get you get to a point, and I know for people, a lot of people, like, my job sounds really titillating, and they mm. want to hear all these stories, and, and it is. It is fun, and it does have a lot of very interesting... You know, I do have many, many fascinating, hilarious anecdotes. You're right. However, um, to me, this is my this. It's uh, it's it's just a quotidian kind of. It's my what I do for a living, and I've been doing it almost twenty five years. So it's not. I mean, I just I don't know. It would be like anybody going to their job, kind of. I guess if they had a really fun job that they really liked. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So it's not shocking to me at all. I don't consider it to be. I know when I tell people that they're going to be like, wow, she must be really interesting, which of <laughs> course I am, but, but it's not, I don't know, but it's not, I don't think it's, it's necessary. It doesn't necessarily mean you're interesting. Right. It just sounds interesting. You know what I mean? That's interesting. I had a, I worked a, you know, I worked at this magazine company one time and uh -huh. one of our magazines was called Taboo. Oh yeah. And so it dealt with a lot of Oh, I think you told me BDSM. this. I might have done an ad in that magazine. Was it a BDSM magazine? Well, it was, yeah. That okay. was the whole focus. Yeah, I might have been in that one time, yeah. And I remember one guy, one of the editors, that he, he didn't last long, but he would make all these generalizations. Uh-huh. About like people who were into BDSM. Oh, yeah. How like, they were more liberal and more progressive. And then the editor, yeah. the art director just said, He's got to fucking go. Yeah. Because she, she, she 
her and her experience, you know, people were from all. That's of, right. All There's some very conservative people. I just went to the spanking convention a couple weeks ago, or last month, I guess it was already. And I know some people there. We didn't get too in, too much into politics, but I know for a fact some of the people there were like Trump supporters. Yeah. And you think there are per? It's like it's like um, you know somebody who's gay. There are gay people that support Trump. Yeah, and there's right? also. Not just like a, a Trump or not Trump, because Trump, right. you think, anyone who supports Trump could be into anything. That's you know, true. You know, That's true. But just like very conservative, yeah. like, like like career path, yeah. very conservative kind of like, yeah. kind of like outlooks yeah. on how to handle yeah. Yeah. everything. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 But, and maybe they're not a Trump. Maybe they're too right. conservative for Trump. Right. But, but there's, just, there's right. just this whole kind of mix. Well, there's so, plenty of uptight liberals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah there's this whole christian movement about um corporal punishment like if you google corporal punishment you will get these kind of like the man's in charge and he has to keep his woman you know this whole mm-hmm. it's it's very heteronormative yeah it's very sounds close to domestic violence yeah yeah, yeah. actually it does so but if you add alcohol you you get a you got you got a 911 call right okay. but but it's interesting that 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 um it sounds I feel some judgment about that, although I do it with this other context, and somehow right. that's okay. Yeah. And I, you know, and I'm a woman spanking men. I spank women too, but but mostly men. And and why would I have a problem with a man spanking a woman? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's just a very interesting thing because all the kind of political stuff starts to break down when you get into this territory. Although the Christian thing, I just innately have a knee jerk response to it, like it's like a feminist. Like I'm, I'm against it. You know, it's <laughs> fucking weird the way judgment creeps in. Oh yeah. And then the way, kind of like, kind of, uh, what do you call it? Dissolves your integrity sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like I have yes. my opinions, I have my beliefs, yeah. I have my actions. Yeah. Oh wait, they're not integrated at all. Right, right, all right. Of a sudden, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah. oh, I'm kind of like, I have no integrity. How'd that happen? Yeah, how'd that there happen? There I am, sitting there trying to. Get along with myself. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that, my Thank friend. Thank you very much. And good luck with <laughs> you. Thank you. I do need help. Okay. Let's quit now. Okay, sounds I good. Feel ahead. You feel, feel way ahead. I feel like we should end on a high note for once. And this is pretty high. <laughs> pretty high. All right. Good luck. Thank you for having me. You may want more, but that's all the ski land for today. Jennifer Locke is very disciplined, and we must end now. This edition of Ski Land is presented with encouragement and, and assistance from Rare Bird Books. If you want to know more about the Skeeve or Alan McDonnell or Rare Bird Books, go to theskeeve.com and rarebirdbooks.com. Thanks again to Tyson Cornell and Julia Callahan. Skeeveland, it's not the worst place you could be.